Hi, I'm Josh Van Berkel. Welcome to the Activate Christchurch podcast. It's our privilege to share it with you. I hope you enjoy it. And if you ever find yourself in Christchurch, pop in and say hello. We'd love to see you. So, so one of the things, obviously I've known Jared a long time, like his whole life. Uh, we, we grew up together. Um, now, I, I know that I'm a, I'm a better father when I'm connected to to God. Like, you know, when, when you, things are flowing well between you and God, I think you parent better, and that's true for mums as well. Uh, one of the things that I've always admired about you is, is your relationship with God. Um, so can you tell us from a practical perspective how you've built that relationship uh, and how you continue to build it even today? Like, what does your relationship with God look like on a daily basis? Um, it actually looks like a lot of worship. Um, like, I like to worship a lot. Uh, I'm a slow... Uh, to bad reader. So I've read the Bible from cover to cover and it's pretty much the only book that I read. Um, And so I worship a lot. I sing a lot. I don't really have quiet times. I will pray in tongues till I lose my voice. Uh, I I love to have big, loud, dramatic times with God. Uh, And that changed when I became a parent. I wanted to have my own God times, but then I began to realize that I wanted to have my kids experience God with me. And so they, they like to have God times with me. So I'll, I like to sometimes get up in the morning, have a, have a worship time, and the kids will hear me, and then they'll get up early, and they'll, they'll come join me. It generally means that God time's got about 10 minutes of goodness left before it derails um, <laughs> into chaos of children fighting with each other. But I'm like, at least then they get a, a pocket of that with me. So yeah. So you do it with your kids? With my kids. Um, and it is nice, and it is fun. A while ago, I was having a worship time at home. The Holy Spirit hit me, um, which hadn't quite happened like this for a while, and I doubled over onto my hands and knees and made a bit of a groaning sound, and sometimes you'll see people doing presence of God hits people, and I could hear my kids going, what is that? And then I opened my eyes, and they're on their hands and knees, going, are we doing this right? And they're going, <laughs> But that, I mean, that's what I think you guys would have all heard it, right? Like, like values and, and stuff like that, they're, they're caught, they're not taught. Right? You can, kids can sniff, they can sniff BS a, a mile away, right? And so if you're trying to teach your kids something, but they're not seeing it modeled in your life, then good luck them picking that up, right? Yeah. Um, I've got a question for Tibor. So if you pass the mic down to Tibor, um, I, I don't know what this means, but I messaged these guys and I said, hey, what's an area of parenting that you feel really passionate about? Uh, and Tibor messaged back, discipline, which I was like, whoa. <laughs> Surprisingly, uh, Amanda's faked a sick day this morning, so she couldn't be here. No, she's not. Actually, Amanda, pray for Amanda. She's not feeling too well this morning. But I think what we can all agree, Tibor, is that the, the, the landscape around discipline over the last 20 to 30 years and, and what's viewed as appropriate and what's viewed as not appropriate has changed a lot. Since even since I was a kid, being parented by my parents. So, first of all, what are some of your thoughts around discipline, and what advice do you have in that area for those bringing up children today? Well, that's a really tough one because, as you say, it really has changed a lot. And in my day, when I was starting out as a parent, there were probably two or three different types of discipline that you could have with your kids. And now, there's, I don't know, hundreds, there's probably too many, but everybody you talk to tends to have a different style of discipline. And uh, what's politically correct and what's culturally correct, and there's such a big variation, and it can be very, very confusing for 
parents and as you look back over the uh, the years it's 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 hard to say that you picked the right model of discipline but I guess um, with me one of the things with discipline was to get your kids early and you know I think the Jesuits uh, said and also a lot of other psychology says that give me the child until they're four some of them say give me the child until they're seven and I'll give you the adult and so those early formative years are so important that if you get the discipline right in the early foundational years and it doesn't mean you need to be beating the tripe out of them while they're still in nappies. That's good, just but, to clarify that. You know, <laughs> but it means that if you can lay down some good patterns early, then it makes it so much easier when you get into the really rough, tough teenage years. And I see so many parents battling with their kids in the supermarket or when they're standing in line or I've been a high school teacher or kids misbehaving in school and you think, oh, it's just so hard to pull something back in when a kid is 12 or 14 mm. or 16. All right, so obviously for those that are, that are watching that don't have kids yet, that's awesome. But like you say, it is much harder to pull kids back when they're older. Do you have any advice for, for parents that, that maybe go, gee, I wish I'd known that when I started? Because the thing with parenting, right, is you just you spit a kid out and then they're just like, where you go? There's not, it's not like, yeah, there's more study to learn how to drive a car than there is on how to be a parent, you know? And so you're very much left to your own devices. And there are some people that are fortunate, they were around good people and had good advice. And then there's others that, through no fault of their own, just didn't have access to that advice or maybe weren't brought up in that environment. And so they find out this stuff later. So what advice do you have for people that maybe do have teenagers or, or pre-teenagers that are going, well, that's great, but my kid's 11, not three. How do I kind of pull that back? I guess because it's confusing about which model is the right model to use, I keep going, I keep asking the question, and particularly I ask the question more and more now than I used to, what is truth? And I keep going back that Jesus said he is truth. And so I keep going back to, well, how does Jesus model discipline? How does God the Father in the Bible model discipline? And I guess I wish that I would have modelled my discipline a lot better on what I was reading and what I was seeing in the Bible and what I was seeing from Jesus as well. So I guess it's never too late. You know, God is the God of second chances and third chances mm -hmm. and 20th chances. And what is truth? What is the right path? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth and the life. So Jesus' way is the best way. He knows us best. He knows each of our children the best as well. So to try and to hook into God more and understand his character more and to try and reflect that more as I'm working, loving, disciplining my children. Sure. So involving God in the process, involving Jesus in the process. Sure. You pray for your kids? Yes, I do. Yeah? You pray for your kids, guys? Pray for them to speak life for them as well. Yeah? about your, your family being saved. So when Zacchaeus was saved, it, the, the word says that salvation came to his home. And I speak that over my kids. And, and I um, heard Bill Johnson speaking a while ago about when he takes communion at home, he prays a blessing over his children and his grandchildren. And I think that's important too, is to pray blessings over your children, not just pray God rescue them, but let's flip it around because we're kings and priests here let's pray blessings and speak blessings over our children and our grandchildren awesome um john when our, when our kids are little we have to tell them what to do you know do that do that don't do that 
that's wrong, you know, I said no, that kind of stuff. But as they get older, the, the, the goal is to equip them to make their own decisions. Um, and not just to make their own decisions, but to make good decisions uh, as well. So what advice do you have for parents, but specifically fathers, um, around how to instill values in our children so that when they go out into the big wide world, they're making good decisions for themselves? I think um, good decisions are based on good values. And so when you flicked me some questions, I thought, do you know, I could sit up here and prattle on about a whole lot of, well, BS really, and there's nobody to check up on me because my kids aren't here. And uh, you don't know my kids. Probably only Denise probably knows um, the, the uh, daughters that we have. So you couldn't check up. I could tell you anything. I could make myself look out to be a, a fantastic dad. But, <clears throat> and so I said to them, I rang them all up, and I said, hey, do you know some of, what are some of the values that you think you might have caught from me? And uh, I won't go through the list, but basically they came back and, they, and I go, well, yeah, that is a value I have. Yeah, that is a value I have. And I could tick them off as, as some of the key values that I've always had. So I believe that in order to teach our kids to make good decisions, we need to have good values and, and they will be caught. Kids t uh, catch more than they ever taught. And the stats I found was that uh, things you say, 15% is remembered. Uh, things and how you say them, 35%. Now that 15%, of course, is based on the fact that that's a, a, a reasonably good hearing, okay? Now, the way that kids, as they get older, they kind of have these creative barriers that they sort of lock up. So, I mean, 15% is a good score. And later on in life, there's, they are much less. And so, um, but uh, the rest of it is, is caught. It's unspoken. It's what we do. So, if I have values that will help create a good decision, my kids will learn that, and I tested it out because there they were. They had those values. They haven't made all the same decisions that I would have made, not in a, in a long shot, but they have ended up with the kind of values that I wanted to see in my kids. And so I need to keep looking at God because he's a good father. And so his values, as I let them... Um, permeate my being, then those values will automatically be passed on to my children. Mm. Are you aware of what your values are? Like when your daughters came back and they said, I picked up this value and this value, you're like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Or were you like, no, that was a, that was a value that I was very cognizant of and was deliberately looking to communicate to you? Um, most of them, I'm going, yeah, they are a value, but there's one or two that, that I remember being intentional about. What were they? For instance, my dad, um, he's, he's, he's a great person, but he, he was, lived in an in a, um, environment and a time in history where you did not praise your kids because that brought about pride. And pride was, yeah, that's terrible. And so, uh, we, and so I decided that the one thing I was going to do was I was going to praise my kids. And, and so... <clears throat> So that was, 
part, part of them learning and growing and making better decisions because they, were, um, they weren't so inferior. They weren't so, um, oh, I can't do this. You know, I'm so, you know, small. They grew into beings. They grew into people. They started to respect their own gifts and abilities. And, and that's been a key thing. That was one thing that I had to be very intentional about all the time because my parents weren't like that. And, and I understand the reasons for it. I don't blame them for it. I'm not angry about it. It's just something I had to be intentional about. So when we're trying to change our values, we have to be very intentional, consistently intentional about them, and they will be caught too. Fantastic. How did you go from, uh, you said it wasn't a value that your parents had, but then it was a value that you had. Where did, at what point did you decide this is important to me and how did you decide that was important to you? Well, I, as a, late in my teens, I suddenly realised that I had this enormous inferiority complex and the strains of it still exist. But, and I remember one day looking in the mirror and saying, all the things that I hated about myself, I was saying, thank you God for. And from then on, I began to um, try and be intentional about other people and how I saw them and how I valued them so as that could become ingrained into my life and become a value. It's, it's something that even today I have to work on because it is, is, is uh, I think it is an absolutely vital value. Mm, fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. Uh, Mark, you've got three teenagers. Mm -hmm. Go. Well, what could you say? First of all, I believe that children are our future. <laughs> Teach them well and let them lead the way. Show them all the beauty they possess inside. Give them a sentence. No, I won't give you any. Okay, so, so here's, what I, here's what I'd say about being a dad. Because when they're teenagers, I don't want to, well, okay. If you've got teenagers, it's kind of too late. A lot happens. The foundations are laid earlier. So... Significant thing happened when, when my kids were young, we moved to the States, and so we're in the South, we're in Tennessee, in Nashville, and when my son Jet was six, some friends of ours said, oh, we're playing, we're going to sign our son up for Little League T-ball, which is baseball on a stick. Um, does he want to play? And we're like, I don't know, I was thinking about baseball, it's not rugby, I don't know. So we thought, okay, I guess we need to assimilate with our new culture. So we took him to play T-ball, joined the team, and first thing that struck me, and, and when you go to live in another culture, you notice you realise a lot about your own culture just because it's different, right? So first thing that struck me is there's nine boys, it was all boys, in this team, and there was 40 people in the stands cheering for them. Every single father, grandfather, mother, auntie, sister, cousin, they were all there. So first thing that struck me is, wow, these Americans, they really support their kids. But it just wasn't that. So when you have six-year-olds playing any sport, particularly baseball, which is oh, it's so boring, most of them out in the field, like, it's like 
it's kind of, well, it's kind of like cricket. Anyway, they're out in the field, right, but for six-year-olds, and they're like, it's dirt. It's not even grass. So six-year-olds and dirt, they're like, oh, sweet, I'll make a sandcastle. So they're here, they're, eventually someone will hit the ball. The ball comes, little Jimmy's making sandcastles, and, and the ball goes straight past him, and they're like, Jimmy, Jimmy, Jimmy. Then Jimmy's like, oh, and Jimmy gets up and starts running. And, and I'm like, oh, Jimmy, you idiot. He was playing sandcastles. But that's not what they say. So the attitude in the South, in America, which is, so where we live, probably 80% were churchgoers, a whole lot of Christians, but family values were strong, and they just yelled, way to chase the ball, Jimmy! And I'm like, oh, who's going to tell Jimmy that he shouldn't have been playing sandcastle or that he's been an idiot? No one. And here's the thing. That, that, and I remember, uh, the same with soccer. So we signed Jed up for soccer in another season, and I have never heard so many parents going, way to kick the ball, Bob! And, and there was so much encouragement, so much... And these kids honestly weren't doing great stuff. And us New Zealanders go, oh, wait till they do something good. But that wasn't it. The thing that I took away, and the thing that I decided, okay, this isn't very New Zealand, but I don't care because I want this and I need this, is I want my kids to know... No matter what happens in life, I'm their greatest fan. I am their biggest supporter. And when my kids go to school shows today, I'm going to clap the loudest. I'm going to cheer, even if no one else is cheering, because they need to know. And when my daughter rolls her eyes and goes, she rolls her eyes on the outside, but in her heart, she knows Dad loves me. And that foundation is enormous. And it's exactly like it's praising your kids. And honestly, it's not about pride. Humility is is truly seeing yourself as God sees you. So when I speak to my kids that they matter to me, and when I every day say, I love you, hon, I love you, buddy, and and when I demonstrate that I love my wife as well, that's more than when my kids have this foundation of, I'm loved, dad loves me, mum loves me, they're my biggest fans, they have that. Then when they get to be 15 and Jet's going, oh, my, my, all my friends are like drinking, am I going to do that and drink heavy? He goes, no, I'm not going to do that. Because the foundation that comes, so we have boundaries, we obviously have boundaries, but the foundation is love. The foundation is they know we got them. And for Ruby, when she gets asked out by people who she goes, no, nah, that kid's, he doesn't, he's up to no good, it's easy for her to say, nah, I'm not going to help with you. Because she knows that she's loved. So to me, that's, that's just parenting in a nutshell. When you make mistakes with, oh, shouldn't have yelled then, or, well, that was a little bit messier than it needed to be, the foundation is love, and I think that puts a whole lot of things right. So honestly, that my kids know that I'm their biggest fan, their biggest supporter in the discipline, um, to me, that matters for everything. How do you balance... <clears throat> A lot of time you'll get parents, particularly as the kids get older, you, you kind of, you start to pivot from a parent to more of a friend, right? Like the relationship changes. Well, which is key, right? Because some parents try and be friends and that is way wrong. Well, that's, I'm that's, never going to be question. my kid's how friend. Do you, how, do you, how do you do what you're talking about? I'm your biggest supporter, I'm your biggest fan. Yeah. And then also you stuffed up, go to your room. Uh, how do well, you do well, that? Well, it goes like this. I'm your biggest supporter, I'm your biggest fan, but you were supposed to mow the lawns before two o'clock. That was our deal, so that's it for screens this weekend. So, and that's about me going, I'm not angry at you, but there are consequences for your decisions. And that's training for life. 
And, and, and my job is to go, I don't need to get angry at you. I kind of dealt with the yelling thing early on. Like, <laughs> where we were in the States was so funny. New Zealand was changing their laws about no smacking and that. Where we were, women would carry, like, a spanking spoon with them in their handbags just in case they needed to, like, do some discipline when they're out. So, so really different, right? And, and so... so I was like, man, where do I stand on? How do we train? How do we discipline? And, and so we through, did some, a parenting course through Bethel Church that looked at love and logic, and we worked out, let's let consequences do the disciplining so I don't have to do the yelling. Because I'm done with yelling. I don't want our house to be a, we're all yelling at each other. So, so in love, those boundaries are really important. There have to be consequences, because if there's no consequences, then kids don't learn. So, and that's such an important part of life. Yeah. But, but yeah, so my job is just not to lose my marbles and just go, okay, here's what happened, here's what we're going to do. But all the time going, love you, buddy. Well, I say that because it's usually my boys who <laughs> get into more trouble than my daughter. But just reinforcing, I love you. I don't like having to do this, but this is what we need. This is what has to happen. Sure. Yeah, yeah fantastic. John, you talked about... Um you know, recognising as a teenager that you had a bit of an inferiority complex and having a sort of a revelation in that area, which I'm sure is a conversation that God was having with you at the time. And Mark, you talked about, you know, trying to model as a father how, how God uh, loves us and just being our biggest supporter and our biggest fan, which the Bible says over and over again that God is for us, right? Like he's our biggest supporter, he's our biggest fan. Um, Jared, how does your relationship with God impact your parenting? Um, I think if I fall into a, it is a bit of the trap or rhythm of needing to do things to please God, um, rather than remembering that he's a God that's pleased with me, I can become more driven in my expectations for my kids, and I do become more performance-based in my parenting, which generally looks like just having less fun. Like, the kids wouldn't be able to articulate it or anything like that, but I, I become more aware of what they're not doing right rather than just this, the sweet things that they just do naturally because they're kids. Um, <laughs> like, I don't know, we have consequences. I don't really take away screen time. I tell my kids if they speak rudely, they have to do push-ups. Um, or they do laps around the house, and they'll be like, Dad, it's, it's raining outside, and I've got no shoes on. I'm like, well, you should have thought about that before you had a bad attitude. It's quite funny. You look out the window, you see Jared's kids running around his house. You're like, I don't know what they did, but... <laughs> I'm always saying to them, you know, manners make us the man, and having a good physique helps as well. Yeah. So you're going to learn manners, and you're going to get... I don't agree with that at all. <laughs> so, so my kid, like Judah, at five, could perfect form, could bust out 10 push-ups as a five-year-old. <laughs> You know, um, so when, when I, I just, I get more stressed when I'm parenting when my relationship with God becomes performance-based because I, I start to become a very aware of what I'm not doing as a parent. You know, very aware of, have I spent enough time with my kids? A- a- am I speaking correctly? Am I bringing things in love? And I start to overanalyze everything that I'm doing. I actually remember... Uh, talking to you about this ages ago, and you said, oh, pff, man, I just want to have fun. You know, I just, my goal is just have fun with my kids. I just want to enjoy them. Because uh, I would go over to Josh's house, and they were always playing games. 
you know, he's like, I just want to enjoy my kids because like, you just want to enjoy life. And I was like, who wants to like, you went to win in life. So the purpose of life is to win. And my kids would say things to me, dad, why do you get us to do these things? None of my other parent, like friends, parents made them do this. And I go, well, that's because they're raising children and I'm raising leaders. <laughs> and they go, oh, dad, that's not fair. And I go, well, you should have thought about that before you were born. <laughs> And then when they're really annoying, I say, if you keep this attitude up, I'm going to go back in time and take away the McDonald's I got you for lunch. And they go, we didn't have McDonald's for lunch. I go, see, it's already happened. (laughs) (laughs) Four-year-old's mind is like... (laughs) But when I remember, when I remember that it says in Isaiah that, like, our greatest works... Our greatest accomplishment, God compares to rubbish in comparison to his own handiwork. That there is nothing I can ever do that God is going to look at and go, bravo. Uh, But he looks at me and goes, man, I like this guy. I made him just like me. I made him in my image. God's like, I'm so impressed with myself uh, right now. And if I can remember that, I just remember to have fun in life. I remember that life is about being loved by God and loving him as our default response. And so my kids is just about me loving them and enjoying them and their default is to loving back. And I, and I take all the stress out and like Josh can testify, like a stressed Jared is a very like not enjoyable person to be around. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Sometimes I'm like, go outside and run around your house. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Tibor, obviously you had a dad. What, what, uh... He's good. Yeah. Word of knowledge. Um, what, what are some of the things that your dad did well that, that you have carried on with your kids in the way that you were parented? Because you came from, you're not even from New Zealand, right? You're from Hungary. Did that change? Do Hungarians parent their kids differently to Americans and New Zealanders? I think they hit their kids a lot more. <laughs> um, but I didn't get too many hidings, fortunately. Um, it's a really hard question, Josh. I guess... I guess a lot of us continue through life, even in our later years, unpacking. Yep. Stuff that was done to us as kids. I guess one of the things that my dad really did well that I've always tried to emulate, and I guess as you're growing up, there are certain things in uh, your childhood that you say, I'm never going to be like my dad. Mm. Yeah, I think we all have those things. And then 20, 40 years later, you realise, gee, I'm a lot like my dad than I wanted to be. One of the things... So I'm still unpacking some stuff. So one of the things my dad did really well was when he disciplined me and he did have to smack me, he knew himself well enough that he knew he would fly off the handle real easily. So he would sit himself down 
and I still remember the little routine. My dad had a little cane that he used, not very often and not brutally, but he had a little cane that he used and he, it was one of those... It was one of those walking sticks that little dolls came on at the industry fairs. Some of you remember those. And that's what he used. And it wasn't too long and it wasn't too big and it didn't do too much damage. But in those days, that was the style of discipline. And he hung it on the door frame <coughs> so that it was somewhere where it could be seen, but somewhere where I would have to grab the chair, take it over to the door frame, climb on top of the chair, 